0: Seven oh six on CJAD eight hundred. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello. And this evening, uh, we'll be talking about Camo Customs. Uh, we'll get to that profile in a moment, but first, uh, we do want to uh, chat a bit about some of the day's uh, on, or the week's entrepreneurial news. And uh, beginning with, uh, w- well, I spoke to Kevin O'Leary during the five PM hour on the drive show, and. Uh, uh, the Shark Tank and, and Dragon's Den phenomena are, are so interesting. Um, I, I actually find those stories uh, pretty inspirational. Um, I find some of the stories in the show inspirational. But the question that I think Shark Tank uh, may not address is what happens you know, down the road after they're featured on the show. Um, and we're seeing a lot of people just sort of bailing on their businesses, right? Just selling off and, and being happy for the publicity. Well, I would say
1: it's like... You know, when an entrepreneur wants to get into financial bed with with any partner, or with any financial partner or business partner, it takes uh, a little bit more than, you know, a few minutes uh, in front of them to figure out if you have a deal or not. So what we see is sensationalized on TV and it makes for a great reality show. I mean, you know, we certainly watch it. It's intriguing. There's some great ideas on there. But to put a deal together in just a few minutes is near impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't have all the facts. You didn't have the right due diligence. Uh, everybody's putting on their best face, it's like a first date. You know, you get all dolled up and you and you tell the the best parts about yourself, and that's what you're selling. But what happens afterwards? What happens on the second, third date, and and when it times to, to propose and to marry? That's when a lot of other details come to play. That's when you know all the 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 finer parts or the fine print. Of a lot of the deals come into discussion and it's not meant for everybody and the reality is sometimes it's not meant for the sharks and sometimes it's not meant for the entrepreneurs say you know what they're getting too much from me i'm giving up too much of what i think is a great idea and maybe i can get a better deal elsewhere but, of course, you see only the best parts on TV, which, you know, sells good advertising.
0: And in many cases, uh, some of these entrepreneurs just need a cash infusion and are willing to, uh, to give away parts of their company to get that. Um, typically, if you're giving away 20, 30, 40 percent of your company because you need the, the the capital, I mean, how long does that process take? How long does, do, does that due diligence typically take uh, in order to, uh, to make sure that it's a right fit for both parties? <laughs>
1: I would say it depends on the party giving the funds. Uh, in other words, how much information do they want to have to feel secure about the money they're giving? And of course, how much are we talking about? It's one thing to give $10,000, uh, you know, to a business and help them out. It's another to give a million dollars. And you certainly want to know that your funds are going to the right place at the right use, and not to a quirk or an entrepreneur that that really doesn't know how to manage money, manage funds, and is just an idea with no plan. So I think that's part of it. I mean, then of course there's the the marketing aspect of it, and and how much is is all this energy and effort and dollars going into just that.
0: So we spent a lot of time on the program talking about retail and uh, how retail in Montreal, particularly uh, downtown, uh, is suffering. We had a lot of closures lately, but one company that's doing really well, and this is a pretty interesting story in the Montreal Gazette, is IKEA. And uh, they are actually strong and growing, according to the story in the Gazette. Uh, 4.1% growth last year, uh, store visits rising by 3% um the way i see it i mean I, I my guess is that maybe they're they're offering a more unique retail experience uh, could that be why they're doing so well well I, I think there's
1: there's a number of lessons to be learned by entrepreneurs here part of it is knowing your market, knowing your audience. Uh, how many times have we sat on air with with people and heard stories of, you know, they know their audience, they do well. If they don't know their audience so well, they blow their brains out and they got to move on to something else real quick. So I think IKEA has learned to know its audience. I think one of the most interesting aspects is that IKEA has learned to know its audience in many parts of the world. The, the, this company that hails from overseas is really gaining an understanding of different markets. Didn't work so well for Target and they're just across the border. Yet IKEA, that is, you know, eight, 9,000 miles away, is uh, certainly understands here. So I, I think uh, it's certainly kudos to them. The other aspect is dr- them driving customers to their store. Why? So that because customers, it is a unique experience and it is a little bit different. Even if you do have to walk. You know, a kilometer to get to the end because of of all the ins and outs and follow the arrows, uh, unless you kind of sneak your way through. But it is a more unique experience than walking into another big department store or big chain. It's very different, and it's something that's appealing because it's also changing from moment to moment. There's one thing, you know, certainly whether it's today's, uh, you know, millennials or generational issues, uh, people need that constant change, that constant stimulation. And certainly when you're in Ikea and you're moving from sector to category to category or every, you know, 50 feet, it's another look, it's another design. And they're just keeping people's
0: attention that much longer. And there's the meatballs too.
1: Well, the meatballs, the meatballs, <laughs> the hot dogs. You know, the, they're, it's it's actually amazing. You know, how do you get? Uh, you, we're talking, we're talking about dating before. How do you get to your 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 partner's heart is through his stomach? Well, you know, Quebec when they shop, uh, they they love to eat. Look at, listen. How many times have you heard people go to Costco just to have snacks while they shop, just to go for lunch and hot dog? It's uh, it, it's uh, it's a phenomenon, and
0: somehow it seems to work. We're shopping so much that we need a snack break in between. <laughs> um, this is another story from the, from the Gazette, which is kind of interesting, uh, talking about the economic boom in Montreal, but not in Montreal, Montreal, the North Shore of Montreal. And as people uh, spread out to the suburbs, uh, the jobs are going with them. So uh, though Montreal as a city may not be uh, growing by leaps and bounds, the the suburbs uh, are doing quite well. Dan, I'm sure you've
1: spoken on, on your other shows about how people are kind of avoiding downtown, whether it's because of traffic, whether it's because of man cave-sized potholes, <laughs> uh, seems to be the theme of the day, or or what have you. People don't necessarily want to trek downtown. They want to stay in their suburbs. They want Because everything is there. Whether you're West Island, whether you're East End, whether you're Laval, whether you're South Shore, you have your communities that can basically offer you everything without movement. So people are kind of... Not exactly coming downtown. What does that mean for entrepreneurs? Well, that that means that whenever you're opening your, your business or your office or whatever, the goal is to get the right talent in your space, in your door for your company. Where is that right talent? Where do they want to be? Where, where don't they want to be? And I think entrepreneurs have to be very wary and, and and look eyes wide open as to where they place their business so that they get the best people coming to them. Of course, they have to know where their customers want to go as well, but that depends where uh, where they are and what they're selling.
0: McDonald's, uh, the, their growth is slowing and some issues in various markets around the world. Is uh, do, do you think that uh, the the golden arches are going to eventually scale back. Or do you think that fast food may be, uh, at least their brand of fast food, may be uh, becoming less appealing? Well, there's no question
1: that today that type of fast food is is not as much appealing as, as a lot of other areas. I mean, you, you certainly know that people today are, are far more in a health scene. Uh, and we've seen it in McDonald's that, that have changed and offered their products over the years. And I think the latest iteration, and you know, they're, they're no different than any regular entrepreneur they got to reinvent themselves they can't stay the same forever it just won't work they'll they'll go the way of the dodo so they must constantly reinvent themselves can they reinvent themselves enough to I guess get past the the image of the 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 I guess less healthy meal, less healthy burger, and move on to better things. You know that McDLT that was you know the lettuce and tomato was fresh, uh, and it's certainly now with the com- you know competing with the coffee shops, you have your McCafe, which people say is is a very good product and a great bang for the buck. Uh, but it, I think this this story is about making sure the brand you've built doesn't die and combining that with reinventing yourself to make sure that you stay with the times and you understand back to, it's always back to the same thing. You know your audience, you know your target, and you understand what the changes you have to make to keep up with them.
0: And uh, finally, real quick, uh, some encouraging news from Blackberry. They, uh, they are getting into more of a partnership with Samsung. Uh, which I hope is a good sign for its viability long term.
1: My my favorite topic, BlackBerry, because hmm. I'm still an avid BlackBerry user. Me too. And uh, and and the reality is, it's it's strategic. It's a fantastic strategic alliance. And any entrepreneur that is not good at what they do, but that but that knows that an add on can help their sales and help their company grow, that's a strategic alliance, and that's something entrepreneurs cannot avoid unless they too. They just don't want to grow. They don't have it in them. They're not hungry. But if you want to grow and you can't be good at everything everything everything, then know where you're weak and know where you're able to strengthen so that you can make your company that much more profitable.
0: Today's entrepreneur on CJAD 800, Camo Customs, our profile of the evening. We're going to talk about uh, customizing cars. Uh, Should be a really cool business. We'll get into that in a moment. But first, 7.15. 7.19 on CJAD 800, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you, as usual, on a Monday evening. And we welcome to the program Benoit Saint-Ciel. He's the co-owner of Camo Customs. Welcome, Benoit. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you have a pretty fun business. Uh, you customize cars, bikes, all sorts of vehicles, and uh, it's uh, kind of like that Pimp My Ride show, right? But in real life? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Montreal version. <laughs> so tell me about the, stu- the kind of stuff that you guys uh, do day-to-day. What kind of uh, uh, products do you put out there? What kind of uh, custom jobs do you do? You do? What, what, tell me about uh, the day-to-day of your business.
2: Well, day-to-day obviously changes with uh, what the demand is, but uh, our first... First priority is uh, specialize in paint. So anything you want to paint, whether it be a bike, uh, plane, uh, a wheel, a car, uh, we paint it. Uh, we like to innovate and even we've done a few like uh, uh, kitchen cabinets for some people. But uh, first first things first is we're a body shop. So we do the everyday repair, the bumper uh the bumper job, the accident uh, insurance job, uh, but uh, pretty much customizing cars with uh, what we love to do and what we specialize in. Now,
1: wh- <clears> when did this start? You know, we're, we're 2015. How long ago did this uh, idea come out? When did you and your partner kind of get into this?
2: Uh, well, we started it uh, in 2007, uh, but we've been kind of doing it all our lives pretty much. You know, What did you do before you owned Camo? uh worked in bodywork like uh for for other companies like uh fix auto uh different things like that and uh just did my courses and uh deps and uh, did the mechanic and uh, the bodywork work at dep and kind of innovated from there now there there was a trigger point i mean at some point because you were working
1: for other people you were an employee and and dan as we as we, as we have heard many times before there was just this trigger point. Somebody said, you know what, I'm tired of working for somebody else or there's an opportunity that comes along says, you know what, time for time to do it for my own pocket, time not to do it for anybody else's. So Ben, I don't know if this story kind of falls into uh, what you you and, and your partner, Sean, have experienced, but tell us how you went from working for somebody else to finding your own shop.
2: Yeah, well, obviously, yes, it's a question of uh, being tired of working for somebody else. Uh, and a lot of the times when I was working somewhere, I would see the defaults that they had in their business and I would try to learn and try to make things better. And then eventually I kind of figured, Hey, I could kind of do this, you know, I, I obviously I'll never know until I try. So it was that, uh, it was just doing that first step, you know, crossing that first line. And, uh, I find that was maybe, uh. A hard point about it, but as soon as I did it it was uh it was worthwhile. Do you remember the day or the, the, the time when you made
0: the decision and uh and what what inspired you? What what made you say, Okay, I'm doing it, I'm jumping, I'm jumping in.
2: Uh well me and my partner were working at a body shop together and we were able to bring in our clientele and uh kind of get that going, uh get our personal clientele going. And uh eventually we both kinda looked at each other that we had an opportunity to get a spot that was already kind of going, but it was going under, and uh, we decided to get together and uh, just go for it. You know, buying buying out uh,
1: a failing other business and turning it around. Yeah, uh, yeah. A- already interesting at a good start. When we come back, we'll we'll hear a little bit more about those first few days on your own.
0: Benoit saint our profile this evening on Today's Entrepreneur from Camo Customs at 7.23. With us this evening on Today's Entrepreneur is Benoit saint of Camo Customs. Uh, he customizes cars, bikes, boats, uh, any any vehicle pretty much? Anything that we can paint, we'll paint it. So any, <laughs> Anything that moves. So tell me yep. about uh, maybe uh, what, what are a couple of your, your favorite projects or your, your personal projects uh, or personal vehicles that, that you've customized yourself? Uh,
2: well, I've had a few over the years. Uh I won't go back too far, but uh, I'd say personally right now I'm getting into uh, where I've been recently into boating and stuff like that. So I'm trying to maybe get into a new uh, new kind of clientele by doing I Have a Boat personally and uh, trying to innovate on that and hopefully that'll attract some some clientele. And uh, this uh, winter we actually bought a 1930 Ford Model A and uh, that's another way to maybe get into the hot rod uh, scene because obviously if you go there with let's say a honda civic or a volks <laughs> uh, to a hot rod show they're not going to take you as seriously as if you get there with uh, this really cool uh looking hot rod that's well built and you know then that shows what you can do for them so that's pretty much the 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 projects that are going on now a uh, few cars that we've done are the client would kind of come and ask us to innovate, to try something new. And uh, one of them was a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Uh, he wanted uh, something really crazy and never seen. So we did a glow-in-the-dark paint. Wow. Uh, pretty much kind of like what you figure a, a roof star in a, in a kid's room would be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of took that product, innovated it in, into the products that we were using. So a lot of time and research to make it work because it's not all compatible. Uh, so that's where we come in as like paint ex- experts, you know?
1: Now, when you first started, uh, you know, cause boats is something new. Did you, it was just the regular stuff. Did you really, really just doing cars or did, was it, was it all of a sudden off the bat? You did, you did bikes and you did cars and trucks and like how, what were the first kind of few days and months when you're first on your own, uh, what did you focus on?
2: Well, when we started, there was the whole era of uh, the fast and furious and mm-hmm. those movies were out. Uh, the generation was a little bit different too, so people were more uh, into modifying them into like street racer kind of cars. Uh, so in the beginning, we were doing quite a bit of modification, you know, so uh, the Honda Civics with uh, the body kits and the mags, uh, suspension and stuff like that. So in the beginning, we were, we we're innovating on that. Uh, it was going good. And then as we we're going, we were seeing that maybe uh, we couldn't neglect the, the regular job Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to look too much like a custom shop and close the door to another opportunity. So in the beginning, we were just doing uh, kind of what would come in and word of mouth. uh, Did you now? Was it just the two of you, you and Sean, on your
1: own, or like at what point did you did you feel you had to hire another body? Uh,
2: Yeah, for uh, the few few first years, it was just me and Sean. Then we. we figured it could be good to have a, another person. It was a hard decision to have to make, cause you gotta trust somebody. You gotta you gotta give him uh, some work that you would normally do. That you want that quality control. But, you have to uh, train them too. They when I mean, you train want them, them to do yeah. the right with the at the right level that you would otherwise do it. Exactly. So we did that. We it was one of uh, Sean's friends' brothers. So we kind of got in. He was already. Trained a little bit, but we trained him into what we were doing specifically. So we've had him uh, for about, I guess, five years or so now. How many employees are you today? Uh, we got three
1: employees, me and Sean. Mm. Now, is it is it a very informal atmosphere uh, around the shop? Is there anything that you had to kind of? Is there any any formality you had to create? You know, with even, even though you're only a few employees. Uh, Is there anything that you feel that you have to really kind of say, you know, we got to follow this line or, you know, hey, you know what? We're only a few guys. We we're pretty easygoing. So everything kind of goes.
2: Try to get a bit of both. You know, obviously now we're in another kind of level, too. So I try to take a a stand on where we have to go. So obviously there's the uniforms. You got to respect people's spaces, people's tools, all that stuff. And, uh, we just got to, obviously we put music in the shop, you know, Mm -hmm. you try to keep it a bit more mellow, uh, but yeah, try to have everybody have their own, their own spot. So there's the painter, there's the prepper, there's the, the guy that's going to be priming. So we try to have them all specialize into their domain. Safety must be
1: a big aspect. I mean, I'm, I'm sure certainly in any, any environment such as yours is important, but I guess what, what have you learned or what have you had to do about safety?
2: Well, it's a lot of products that are pretty bad for the body. So obviously there's a lot of like, uh, suits, uh, air quality, uh, gloves, obviously the, the steel toe boots, uh, glasses, all that stuff. So I try to enforce that obviously the most as possible. And, uh, inspectors, do inspectors
1: come and show up and, and, and test that you're, you're applying all safety standards.
2: Yeah. Every now and then they'll, they'll swing by, they'll kind of look around and, uh, so far, uh, I try to be on top of it, so there's no problems there. <laughs> Benoit
0: Sacier is with us tonight on Today's Entrepreneur. He is the co-owner of Custom uh, Camo Customs. More with Benoit in a moment, but first at
1: 7.30. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
0: Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur Inspiring Stories from Outstanding Business People. Dan Delmar along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. And our profile this evening is Benoit Saint-Ciel from Camo Customs. Uh, they do uh, custom work for cars, boats, um, and pretty much anything in the in the paint department. And uh, Benoit, we're talking about uh, people and uh, how important it is to have... Uh, is it fair to call you guys artists? I mean, you are artists, right? I mean, t- it takes a yep. uh, particular attention to detail, which means that uh, it's probably tough to find
2: someone who's who's really the right fit, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you either got it or you don't. Uh, you could always train somebody to hope he'll have it, but if you don't have the touch or the eye... Uh, and you know, a lot of people, you try, you try, you try, and they just do not get it, you know, but now
1: what happens, I mean, cause you're, you're hired a few people over the years and if you're doing a little bit less of, of, cause you had the eye for, you still have the eye, I presume for many <laughs> years, uh, to train somebody else, to let somebody else do what, you know, you could do a hundred percent that, that, that magic word of delegation. Yeah. Uh, were you successful at, at, at delegating? are you still do you still do it or do you have any trouble with it
2: yeah it's it's always hard that's for sure i mean uh it's a domain where it has to be very straight very nice a good finish uh you know uh i'm pretty uh pretty picky when it comes down to that final uh the final result so i have to trust everybody to do the job that i would do uh, just as well or hopefully even better i mean obviously that's the goal you know to have a shop that's running better than I could even do. Uh, obviously, uh, I've been pretty lucky with the, the employees that I've had so far and that I have. Um, there was one where... I mean, yeah. uh, have, you, have you ever not been lucky with somebody? Have you ever had to
1: kind of deal with a difficult case and, uh, and maybe uh, let them go?
2: Yeah, there was one. Obviously, it was a, a hard and new uh, adventure for me. Uh, I was trying him out. I tried him out for a few months. He... he just wasn't getting it he wasn't uh, getting the beat of it you know and uh, unfortunately I had to let him go you know that was uh, very hard for me but you know sometimes uh, you got to do what you got to do listen uh, a, a first fire is is not always the easiest but
1: you probably learn quite a bit from it and uh, hopefully you don't have too many more in your future but you know yeah. that one experience I'm sure will will help guide kind of what to look at it for in others I'm sure and and what to know when to know to call it quits and say...
2: Merci, yeah. Uh, the next time I'll probably know a little bit faster, you know. I'll, maybe I'll catch that little something before it takes a few months, you know. Yeah. Now,
1: was that your role? I mean, you you, you and your co-partner, Sean, uh, you guys, do you play the same role? Do you complement each other? Where do you... Do you overlap too much? Like, how do you guys... Who's, who's responsible for what?
2: Uh, no, we have a good uh, chemistry. I mean... Uh, I'm a little bit more on edge. I can maybe be a little bit more strict. Uh, he's a bit more easygoing, uh, which I find is good because obviously employees and everybody needs someone with a little bit more authority and they always need somebody that kind of relates to them where, you know, a little bit more laid back and, you know, will be a bit more understanding. Uh, so we don't bump heads much. Uh, obviously, sometimes, uh, we might have a little bit different of an opinion on maybe a, a way of doing something but all in all uh it's i'm very lucky to have a partner that that uh that makes everything just go easy you know he puts he helps calm me down and i help maybe uh, put him uh, on the edge a bit you know and you know the question we we tend to ask quite often is
1: what happens when you guys disagree you know do you, do you bring out the uh, the crowbars and kind of duke it out or uh, or you settle it uh like gentlemen you go into your man cave and kind of work it out
0: or a drag race maybe <laughs>
2: that would be good but that's illegal so you can't do that <laughs> of course <laughs> <laughs> no i mean uh, obviously like we go into the office and kind of give our points and you know whatever makes more sense we try to meet in the middle and uh, you know try to no, not, not too much duking out. <laughs> nah, a good good to know. Good yeah, to know. No yeah. bruises on your eye. It's okay. No, there's a lot of sharp tools that lay around. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Now,
1: you, you opened up in, in 2007 or 2015. Have you always been in the
2: same location? Uh, no, we've moved uh, three times now. Uh, obviously, due to uh, demand and volume, mm-hmm. uh, <coughs> exposure. Like, like,
1: exactly. Like, what, what's been the main reason for the move? And how do you
2: choose your next location? Sometimes it just kind of it kind of falls on your lap. You know, like you, you find, because I always try to stay in the same area because my clientele knows where I am and you have to be in an industrial zone uh, because of paint fumes and uh, the laws and whatever, they restrict you to where you can be. Uh, the last one, I needed a bit more room, but I found an opportunity uh, to get a little bit bigger and just a lot more exposure. Uh, so that one just kind of fell in my lap. The other one was really because I needed to get bigger. So I was looking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not always the same reason, but uh, as long as you go in a better direction, so far, yes, it's been uh, it's always been in the better. So have you gotten to be uh,
1: a little bit more of an expert in leases and preparing them and reading them and reviewing them? Or,
2: or have you outsourced your reviewing of leases to somebody else? Uh, no, now I... I pretty much do it all uh obviously i'll uh, i'll ask maybe a a friend you know or something to to read it over if i have a question about something i'll even ask the the other party you know like what does this mean exactly that way i have the lease exactly that i want that will apply to me uh yeah i've gotten better at it for sure obviously you're reading a a dictionary, you know, it's, it could be pretty long and it repeats itself, but you got to expect that. Yeah. You know? Excellent. Now let's switch gears to, to marketing a, a little
1: bit right at the beginning, you know, because you, you've been around a, a, a solid seven years plus. Um, and you know, you're in the right area. You, you, you have a, I guess a name within that, that, that area you're in Lachine, I believe. Yep. Um, but how did you get, your name known at the beginning was it just your existing customers did you do anything special what what worked for you maybe what didn't work for you from a a visibility from an awareness from from people knowing that you were there
2: well i'd say uh 90 of it is really word of mouth uh but we've tried uh you know like yellow pages uh Mm -hmm. little pamphlets uh for uh different organizations where they put your card into it and they give that to the employees and uh, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff and some of it might have been good got a few clients out of it maybe they spread the name a little bit more but i'd have to say really like 90 maybe 95 percent is really word of mouth uh, do a good job for a client he will tell his entourage his entourage is gonna maybe try my shop or maybe try another but It'll just spread and uh, just trying to keep everybody happy. That's the the main point. So you you, you found maybe that the, the traditional,
1: the Yellow Pages side of it or these little flyers that you might have felt obligated to do, you felt that's the first step, really probably didn't do very much for you.
2: No, I was probably just spent more money than anything. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be quite honest, uh, word of mouth, Mm-hmm. Should have been just the only way, but obviously you're, you're a new company. You're trying to spread the word. You're trying to you're trying things. You're you're new at it. So so today, do you, are you doing anything different? I mean, you're I mean, from
1: a marketing standpoint, I know from the product you're getting the boats and all that, but from a marketing standpoint, are you doing anything different today than you did seven eight years ago? Uh, no,
2: now it's pretty much still the word of uh, mouth. That's really your your yeah. happy
1: customer is your best referral.
2: Yeah, well, obviously now there's like Facebook. Mm-hmm. uh instagram stuff like that you post a picture people like it they see the name they see a, a cool car they see a cool project so things like that have changed which is kind of what 2015 uh, is all about uh there's a cool project where we did for scion a few years back which is a pretty cool marketing thing it's so for scion canada it was uh, three teams one montreal one toronto one vancouver Build the the best car you can with the budget that they had for it. Uh, they give you a car. and uh, so that was big exposure. They did a lot of media, a lot of uh, publicity, a lot of shows with it. They went to Las Vegas uh, with the car. so that was that was a, a good unique opportunity for the business. And it was a contest.
1: So great dollars. Bang for the buck, I I guess we'll say since yep. uh, since you know the exposure that you got from it was yep. pretty big.
0: Yep. Today's entrepreneur on CJAD, Benoit Saint-Cyr, our guest, the co-owner of Camo Customs. will bring in Kevin Ammerman, who's an IT specialist, uh, in a moment. And he'll talk about, uh, Josh, believe it or not, some people still don't have a website for their businesses. So how to set one up, how to maintain one which is, uh, could be even more difficult, so Kevin will chat about that in a moment. But first, 7.48 on Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guests this evening, Benoit Saint-Cyr of Camo Customs, will have his uh, one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur on the way. And we bring in Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist at Fuller Landau, uh, to talk a little bit about uh, setting up websites and maintaining them. Uh, but first, Kevin, uh, Twiddle, This Week in Data Loss. And... Um, now, now I'm now all paranoid because my laptop is might be affected by this. Yeah,
3: there's some big news this week from Lenovo. So getting some big names out there. Uh, all their consumer laptops that they've sold for the past couple of years have come with some, uh, well, they don't call it spyware, but basically it's advertising uh, software that's installed, pre-installed when you buy the laptop. And one of the components of that software, it uh, turns out, ha- it did, not only did it deliver ads to their end users, which is not the nicest thing for them to do to you, but uh, it actually compromised security for all the websites you're visiting. So whether it's banking websites or, or other secured sites, um, the software that had come pre-installed on these laptops interfered with that security and put a lot of their users at risk. So they're doing a lot of backpedaling, a lot of uh, covering themselves up right now to see what they can do to, to sort this out. Is that the uh, only news of the week in Twiddle? Anything else? Number two was a little bit more exotic one. It's a, a new kind of phishing email that doesn't go after your bank account directly. It goes after your home router. So if you click on the link in the email, if your router still has its default password, uh, the, the software embedded in this email can actually affect your router and, and let, the, let hackers gain remote control of it.
1: So the, Twiddle this week is more a little bit about preventative medicine than anything else. Excellent. Now... One thing we really did want to talk about, and uh, and I'm sure that Ben has some experience of his own, is when you're setting up your website, when you're maintaining your website, when you're ensuring that it fits on all screen sizes, what are some of the biggest or more important challenges or things that, that entrepreneurs really need to be wary of when they're involved in setting up and maintaining their website?
3: Well, the big thing is you got to decide what you're going to use your site for. So if you're a retailer, it's pretty obvious you want to sell things online, but a lot of businesses, they're just a business, you know, they, they, they may not do direct to end user sales and they have some decisions to make. Are they going to make it, uh, uh, more of a brochure kind of website where design is king and it's all about the look and feel. Or is it going to be more, will there be tools and will there be more information housed in the site? And will it be more important to do regular updates and and maybe maintain some sort of community for the users? So these decisions have to be made before you even start thinking about the way that the site looks or the information that really goes into it. And the professionals that are
1: doing these different types of sites, they certainly, they have their limitations or their expertise. It's, It's not always one person that can do all the type of sites
3: if you find the right person and it's usually not just a single person it's usually some sort of agency they may be able to do it all in one under one roof but it really is a good idea to sort of think about what type of site that you want and then start looking for someone who's specialized in that kind of site because if there's if if there's more to it if there is more structure involved in it there's going to be a lot of planning and somebody who really knows the ins and outs of how these sites work can really help you design things and lay things out nicely for you so it's easier to maintain down the road
1: Benoit, when you were creating your site, you know, were there any pitfalls? What did you, what was kind of your biggest challenge when when making sure that the the Camel Customs site was was up and running?
2: Uh, probably just getting somebody that uh, that's up to date, that's uh, that's in, as you can say. Uh, you don't want your website to look like a like an antique, you know. So that was that was a challenge trying to see with a couple different. Uh, people what their idea of my website could be because obviously that's not my domain how involved were you i mean did did the
1: website designer developer did he thoroughly involve you or did he you know kind of get a couple of ideas and then go on his own merry way to
2: create a couple ideas and then he kind of gave me some feedback and kind of back and forth a few times but i let him do his thing pretty much
0: Kevin, I want to talk a bit about uh, the CMS, which is, which is important, the backend, the content management system. How, what kind of basic questions that entrepreneurs uh, ask uh, web people about uh, how their website will be updated and how to upload stuff in the future, uh, hopefully very simply?
3: Exactly. This is one of the things where talking to your designer, making sure that there's some structure to your site so that you can log in yourself and update that content if that's something that you need to do. And to to also make sure that the templates that are in front of that CMS, the templates are what the end user actually sees. So you want to make sure that they're flexible enough to work on all the different kinds of screens that are out there today. And also want to make sure that it is possible to to update that look and feel down the road as, as sort of styles change to keep it from getting dated too quickly.
0: And I, I like WordPress, I'm partial to WordPress, but do you have any favorite content management systems out there?
3: WordPress is probably the biggest one out there right now. There are some other ones that are more specialized for e-commerce or for other specific niches. But we're finding WordPress, it's really, really popular. There's a lot of really good plugins for it to make it very flexible. And it's also very widely known. So if you are shopping around for designers, you can find a lot of people that can help you out with that kind of thing.
0: More on uh, building websites and maintaining them and Benoit saint one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur that's next. Today's entrepreneur on CJD. we have Benoit Saint-Ciel here from Camo Customs and Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist at Philolando talking about uh, setting up and maintaining websites. And Dan, you mentioned before, very
1: correctly, there's also about content management, but I guess the question I want to ask Kevin is for content management, you know, people outsource, should people do it in-house, should they train their own people, is it easy to do? What do you find is is kind of best for, for the entrepreneurs or what or what should they consider when they're thinking about either keeping the management and the the understanding and the changes in-house versus having somebody outside their company maintain it?
3: There's a lot of options and it really depends on your business. So if you're running a retail business where you have to take photographs of your products and update that catalog constantly, then maybe something, maybe you'll outsource the photography, but do the actual catalog updates yourself. Or maybe if you're really technically knowledgeable, you can take care of that all yourself and apply your own templates and and do all of that kind of thing. But it really, you want to make sure that you get the right people on the job to make it look professional because, um, if you try to take on too much yourself and do it in house, it shows in the end product. You want to make sure that you get that level of quality that you really need in your website.
1: And I guess then there's, there's also the aspect of the website, or if you're going to sell online, connecting it with all the information, in your system, like your inventory and, and your invoicing and all that. And how the, the front end really communicates with the back end.
3: This is where you really want to call in the pros to get that initial link set up and make sure that not only that it actually functions, but to make sure that it's safe and secure, not only for your own information but for your clients as well because you can doing transactions online if you're putting those credit card numbers at risk, you can be in a heck of a lot of trouble for uh, liability.
1: You don't want to be on one of one of our twiddle lists. Exactly. <laughs> now, but that also means that entrepreneurs have to ensure that the information that they maintain in the back end is super accurate.
3: You got to make sure it's accurate. And what a lot of web-based companies are doing now is they're actually outsourcing that. For example, credit card processing—they're outsourcing it completely, so they never have those numbers in their hands, which really does protect them. It, it puts—if they can put it into the hands of someone trusted, a a, a, a bank or an, a trusted online transaction provider—and not have to keep that on hand themselves—it really does limit the risk that they that they expose themselves to.
1: Now, I know this this next question is is pretty subjective, but how long should a company maintain its existing website for? How often do you see or would you recommend people redo their websites, whether it's a look or whether it's it's a technology change or what have you?
3: We're seeing new businesses switch them very rapidly, so it's often as much as once a year. Older businesses will go three to five years before doing updates. Anything over five years, and it really starts to show on the website. Um, You can tell that it's really dated. You can tell the look and feel of the website just hasn't kept up. Maybe it doesn't work so well on the new phones. Maybe it doesn't quite fit that weird square screen on the new Blackberries. That kind of thing really shows up.
1: Uh, no question that the the size of the feature to be able to apply to a big screen versus the tablet versus the the uh, the smartphone is is absolutely big.
3: Yeah, and it's problems that we didn't foresee five years ago. So the the shapes and the densities of these screens, the the number of pixels, we just didn't expect them to be so high resolution. And and it's hard to keep the sites looking good and looking sharp as more and more people are using these fancy fancy phones.
1: Lots to know when uh, when figuring out websites. Thanks very much, Kevin. So uh, as we approach our last moment of the show, as we do every week, we'll turn to uh, Benoit Saint-Cyr of Camo Customs and ask you, Ben, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur?
2: If you feel you want to go into business, go with both feet. Don't uh, don't hesitate. You're never ready for it. Uh, once you get in there, it'll everything will just roll into play, and you'll just make it work
1: and there's there's no question Dan we've we've heard from from many entrepreneurs over the years some say you know what it's very planned i got you know do my business plan i make sure it's good i'll check with you know 12 different people and, and everything's going to fit in right and you have others like ben here or a few others that we said you know what this is my gut i'm either tired of being an employee or i know it's right and i know it's going to work and i think that was that was pretty clear in uh, in ben's discussion tonight so uh, thanks for that ben